My wife and I were talking to a friend who had a bad day at work, working in retail, talking about rude customers and saying, you know, it makes you question people in general. Love John Templeton's quote, it's nice to be important, but it is more important to be nice. Each of us has to stop and realize we are impacting others, whether we recognize it or not. We're going to especially look at how parents impact children, husbands and wives impact one another. Remember, though, Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Wisdom applying not just what we study to learn it intellectually, but put it into practice. Wisdom is the principal thing. How do you become a better parent? Get wisdom. How do you become a better spouse? Get wisdom. We'll share a couple principles how you can change your relationships here today, but then you and I have to be the doers of what we talk about. Let's look at some people that did not use wisdom. Interesting ones from our culture. William Bud Post, Pennsylvania, down to $2.46. Had a ring, sold it for $40, used that money to buy lottery tickets, and he won $17 million. He took payments on that lottery win. First check showed up, $500,000. Two weeks later, he had spent $300,000. Two months later, he was half a million dollars in debt. Before all the money was gone, he would be married and divorced six times. His brother would hire a hitman, hoping to take him out to take the lottery money. And when William Post died, he was receiving $450 in government assistance. All the money had been long gone. Janet Lee from South Korea moved to the U.S., played the lottery, won $18 million. She wanted to be in the spotlight, gave a lot of money to politicians, got invited to their dinners, got the seat of honor. She also wanted her name on a building at Washington University, donated lots of money there. She also bought houses, cars, and boats. Eight years, eight years, $18 million was completely gone. Mike Tyson, the champion, 2003, declared bankruptcy. He had $50 million wrapped up in cars and houses he couldn't afford. Owed the IRS $14 million. Britain, he owed $4 million. Georgia and Michigan, he owed $300,000. He owed legal fees of $600,000 a music producer, half a million. He owed a trainer, almost a million. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, especially in this area here, what we're going to talk about today, the family. We all know the divorce rate, 50% in our culture. Some segments, it is 67%. We're going to talk about ways to put an end to that today, but we have to follow what James says, James 1.25. Whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, shall be blessed. Let us not be a forgetful hearer, but rather a doer of the work. That is the person who is blessed. You go back to the early church in the first few centuries, they would take a three to five year commitment where they would memorize the Old Testament. Why? They wanted the mind of Christ to become their second nature. Scripture to be buried in their heart, wisdom not to be forgotten, but rather to be lived in a moment, day to day. Donald Mann puts it so well, praying often does not make you righteous. Believing God raised Jesus from the dead does. 
but the righteous pray often. Wisdom, doing the things that Jesus called us to do, following the things he taught, letting his mind become our mind. Jim Rohn, one of my favorite quotes, shared it before. Don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Which brings us to John 14, 16, a verse I know we all know by heart, where Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He may abide with you forever. Donald Mann says, God sent a helper. He does not do it. Instead, he helps you as you do it. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and helps you as you do the work. He is that helper. But we have to be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, recognizing he is the one that helps us along the way. So let's start with a Stanford University study about this idea. I'm sure there's people on both sides of this. I'll give an example from my life, discussing about parents, children, the school system, and this idea of the constant, unending praise and participation trophies. Give an extreme example of this idea. A few years ago, my wife and I were at a dinner. Family that lived out of town were in town visiting some other family, called us for a cookout. We went over. There's a five-year-old girl, Sue. We sat down after the cookout, the father and I. He had his phone. It would beep every 10 minutes. And at that 10 minutes, he would stop the conversation in the middle and say, excuse me. He would call Sue over. She'd run in and he would say to her, Sue, you're the smartest person that ever lived. And she would run away. We'd continue the conversation. 10 minutes later, he would say, excuse me. Stop the conversation. Call Sue. She would come in. He would say, Sue, you're the most talented person who ever existed. And Sue would run away. And he continued this, something he must have read in a book or maybe heard somebody suggest. But after about 45 minutes of this, I finally just stopped him and said, you know what? My wife and I have another place we need to go. And so we left. Maybe an extreme example, but I think we understand the point. What happens, again, with this constant idea of unending praise just for trying? Does it really help? Remind you of something. Generation Z, number one, those born since 1995, they are number one in an unfortunate category. They are the loneliest generation in American history. Something needs to change, obviously. Now, why are they the loneliest? Part of the reason is there's a disconnect between what they're told and what they see in life. When they are told, you know what, you're perfect, and they say, but I know I'm not. Somebody's lying. Or I have to lie to pretend to meet the standard that people are placing on me. Or when they're told, you know what, you're the best, and they say, but I know I'm not. I know there are things that need to change. And there's a disconnect between what they know, but what they're being told. And studies show it makes them even lie because they don't want to tarnish the image being placed on them. But they wrestle with, I know this isn't true. What is true? Who's going to be authentic? Another thing that is impacting them is the technology. You know, when you spend hours and hours and hours and hours just staring at a phone, at a computer, 
clearly there's an impact from that. So Carol Dweck, Stanford University, studying these things the last 15 years, said, you know, what does work, what really does work, are kids who are praised for their efforts rather than their ability. Praised for their efforts rather than their ability. They are the ones, she says, that strive harder, enjoy life more, and deal with failure much, much better. Praise effort rather than ability. If your child doesn't get an A, they know it, but you can still praise the effort. You can simply say, you know what? I know you studied so hard for that test. You have nothing to be ashamed of. I am so proud of you. If they don't make the team, same thing. Praise the effort. You know what? I know how hard you practiced, how hard you worked, and I am so proud of the heart you poured into this. That's the authentic. And that's what studies show. Make the most impact. And she says there's one word you can also add that changes things in a very, very dramatic way. And that word is simply yet. Y-E-T, yet. What a difference, she says, to tell your child, you know what? Math is not your strongest class yet. Or to say to your child, hey, you didn't make the team yet. That's the authenticity that this generation is dying to hear. People that are going to step up and put in the time to say, wisdom is the principal thing. Let me therefore get wisdom. Because we live in a culture where things are not healthy in many ways for families. I love William Gurnall. This is 1650. He said it like this. Do not be afraid. He lived and died for you. He will live and die with you. When you and I step out this week and say, Father, I'm moving into a battlefield in a culture that is hostile to family and marriage. He whispers, not alone, you're not. When you and I say, Lord, I'm moving this week into a world where people lie and cheat. He whispers, not alone, you're not. Because he has sent the helper, that helper that is there because the risen one promised when he rose, our victory was secured and the spirit was then sent and the mystery of Christ is now that he resides in you. Greater is he in you than he in the world. So let's consider a few things wisdom wise then for marriage. Tony Robbins puts it well for the wives here to understand. Men do one thing, solve the problem, so they get credit and celebrate the victory. Masculine energy is driven by reaching a goal, solving a problem, and then getting the credit. That's why, again, I've shared before, if your husband says things like, you know what, I took out the trash. He's looking for that acknowledgement because he solved a problem and he wants to hear then some sort of credit given. 
Or if he says, I did the dishes, the same thing. Men are driven by accomplishing goals and receiving then from that credit. Understand this, men respond to appreciation. And as a wife, you simply have to stop and say, have I shown my husband appreciation? Or do I criticize him? Have I shown my husband appreciation or do I denigrate him? Criticism is the death of a man. Saying things like, well, you did this, but... And then moving into something negative. Destroying him. Tony Robbins again puts it very plainly. Open your heart to a man, he will die for you. Close to him and he will leave. He may not check out physically, but he will emotionally and mentally. Men respond to appreciation and they are driven by reaching a goal and their number one goal is to see you happy and if they can't make you happy he will leave if not physically emotionally mentally he will men are driven by accomplishing a goal and if he feels like i can't accomplish my most important goal to make my wife happy then who am i Where is my significance? Wives, you want to transform your relationship. You want to see things differently. Just simply ask, how do I show more appreciation for my husband? What things could I say to him and show him so that he knows I'm his biggest fan? Men, what your wife needs from you. Men respond to appreciation. Women respond to compliments. Compliments. How much do you share that you adore your wife? How much do you build her up? How much do you show her just by your very presence? Now, let's be honest, men and women, the challenge is there. It's just part of the makeup. Women communicate twice as much on a daily basis than men do. Men are about solving a problem. And women, they have much more that they like to communicate. But understand this. These are studies that have been done about communication. When you are then having a discussion, and if he's there giving presence and listening He can do that for roughly about 10 minutes. So when wives say things like, my husband doesn't listen to me, it's not that he doesn't listen. There's just a challenge after that 10 minutes that they simply struggle to do so. When he was dating, he probably did it for 15 minutes. But that's the challenge. It's just a reality. It's not something to to criticize. It's just something to say we're not made the same. And one of the places that that shows up is when it comes to talking, when it comes to communication. When he is simply listening, he can do so for about 10 minutes. Husbands, you need to understand, though, what she needs is for you to listen for that 10 minutes, to be present and not try to solve a problem. She just simply wants to tell you about the day or the challenge at work. Men, they're naturally driven to say, how do I solve this? But we have to stop and say, She doesn't want me to solve it. She just wants me to listen, be present, and she shares. 
There's a great term to remember from Chloe Madonna's Tony Robbins. It's called the Meadow Report. The Meadow Report is the idea that men, if they were going hunting, they would simply go, maybe it's a deer, and they wouldn't talk. They would just find the deer and they would try to bring it back home. If women were going, though, and say that they were going through the meadow, they would take up all the details and then share those details. And part of that detail might be, you know what, here is the safest route through the meadow. And if you take this route, there is some great fruit that is just perfect. And over here are some vegetables that are perfect, but stay away from these vegetables. Those are not good. And here's the best way to prepare those. And men, you have to understand that she is often just giving a meadow report and wants to download that. And you can simply say, and Monica and I do this, I will say, Monica, is this a, a short meadow report or a long meadow report? But here's the thing, men. Our job is to be present for that meadow report where she is sharing the experience that is the feminine energy. But keep this in mind, she would not share it if she did not trust you. She would not give a meadow report to somebody she doesn't trust. Men are driven to solve things. They are driven by appreciation. Number one thing, they want to do, number one goal, to make you happy. Show that you are happy by giving him that appreciation. If he can't make you happy, he will check out. Men understand that your wife is driven by compliments and being able to share experiences and to download this meta report without any expectation you're going to solve anything. She just simply wants to share. And your job is to be present and to listen, knowing again, she wouldn't tell you these things if she didn't trust you. It's a sign of trust. To be present changes everything in her mind. Men respond to appreciation. Women respond to compliments. Children respond when their effort is praised and they know the praise is authentic. Take these principles, wisdom, the principal thing. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer because you and I have a helper that we might daily walk in that victory that the risen one receive all the glory, honor, and praise. What is the power of presence as we close? Let me give you an example of this for men and for women. Because maybe your presence this week, the helper is going to lead you to a clerk who's had a bad day. Or maybe to a friend who doesn't know how to change their marriage and you can say, your husband's number one goal is to see you happy. He has to know what he can do to make you happy. Or to a man, your wife, she needs you to be present to listen when she downloads that meta report and to give her the compliments she deserves. To those parents struggling, you might come along and say, you know what, participation trophies, maybe they have their place, but you want to change your child's self-esteem, their confidence, praise their effort. That's what they know is authentic. Get wisdom. It's the principal thing. Be present. Listen.
What is the power of presence? We close with this from Deborah Griffin. She went to Rwanda. Rwanda, 1995, horrible civil war. One of the most horrible moments in all of history. In 100 days, 1 million people died. 100 days, 1 million people died. 12 years later, Deborah Griffin and some other counselors went to Rwanda to say there must be something we can do. Here's what she wrote. We visited one village that had been almost entirely destroyed. Those who had survived wished they had not. The trauma was so real after 12 years, one woman collapsed to the ground, unable to stand under the weight of grief she carries. As she wept, she shared through her translator, we all know our stories and the truth about what really happened here. We tell them to you because we trust you love us and will pray for us. We had said nothing, done nothing, except be present to listen. We prayed for them. They prayed for us. They prayed for us. Time seemed suspended. We shared love and respect. It was profound, unspoken, love that was palpable, not because we had come all the way from America to do something for them, but to just be with them. And Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever.